Welcome to the quarter three movie podcast of the movie The Babadook. My name is Christian Morosky, and I am joined here, as I am joined here every year, by Kelly Wan. <sighs> Kelly Wan, do you have a tagline for the Babadook movie that we saw this week? Uh huh. Uh, it taps into our universal fears of uh, poetry. <laughs> huh, guys? <laughs> huh, guys? Uh, Did you have a backup tagline? Just to yeah, because I know that if if Tom were here, and I'm sure he will be here with us soon, uh, I'm sure Tom would push you to say, "Do you have a backup tagline, Kelly Wand?" It taps into our universal fears of pop-up books. All right, done. Kelly, that's what. Wait, that's that, perfect. That's perfect. Who isn't afraid wait. of a pop up? That's perfect. Nah. Nah. You always like the backup more. Are you just being perverse? I, I do like just the backup. Pop-ups. Not not as far as taglines are concerned, but I do like. The ah, I really enjoy our podcasts together. I do too. I keep meaning to tell you that. I do like that thing, though, what you just said. And it actually, it reminds me of something that I'm going to talk about a little bit later that Tom told me about. And please remind me of your tagline when we're talking a little bit later. Which one, the backup or the front up? The backup. Front the backup is perfect. I love that so much. It's very good. The pop-up one? Yeah, it's very good. Uh, okay, but, but, but hold I on. I have another one. We, do you have a third up? Well, it's not really a catchphrase, it's just an observation, but I was going to say the in Australia... Wait, wait, it's not spoiler-opsis-y, is it? Uh, probably. Well, it's not covered in the opsis, so well, it doesn't spoil it, but the taglines are kind of spoiled. No, is the, is it spoiling for the movie? I mean, for folks who haven't seen the movie that are listening... To- I'll just say it later, that's too many catchphrases or taglines. All right, all right, yeah, are that's Say it. It's your your taglines. That's your thing. I feel like I don't know what words mean a lot. Well, a lot of words mean different things, but you know what means something? You also have an IMDb synopsis that's coming our way. Oh, yeah, wait. Talk amongst yourselves for a minute. What I'm going to talk about is that... My observation. I I can't get over how much I love the fact that you started a IMDb opsis the other day. Uh, I don't know if it's last week or the week before with... A cat burglar, and I, I just every now and then when I'm driving around uh, in my car, um, I just think a cat burglar, <laughs> and how pleased I was Ew. that you said that a cat burglar, and how I knew immediately what you were talking about. So you know, every week uh, Kelly Wand reads one of those weird little IMDb synopses, uh, and you have one for for us this week as well, right? There's nothing to do with this week's movie. It's just a random IMDb synopsis. No, but they're all going to be cat burglar related from now on. <laughs> okay, great. I'm, how that tickled you? I'm so I'm so excited. And so have the IMDb thing did. All right. Well, what is this week's IMDb synopsis? But that one was more for you. Like for Tom, I would have picked fucking Jaws: The Revenge. <laughs> <laughs> Jaws: The Revenge would be for me too because he hasn't seen that fucking movie. I've seen that. Wait, Tom hasn't seen Jaws the Revenge. Oh, I'm sure he hasn't, but it's one of my favorite movies as far as uh, a tandem of watching a terrible movie and reading a great review of a terrible movie. Because Roger Ebert's synop- uh, uh, review yeah. 
of Jaws for the Revenge <laughs> is one of the best things I have ever read. Yeah, he points out a lot of things I didn't notice. I just like love him being dry when he gets out of the seaplane crash. <laughs> right, he swims over. <laughs> I just love yeah. the way Ebert writes it. He's like, "This, these are the things I won't accept." Yeah. Well, and he's like, "That's when Michael Caine missed getting his Oscar at the cere- Oscar ceremonies for Hannah and her sisters because he was busy shooting Jaws of Revenge." And I think Ebert was like, "Like he was seething over that for the whole movie." Yeah, but uh, but Michael Caine's like, "Yes, but but that that bought my house." Yeah, he like Michael King goes. Uh, some of his make for where they're shot, and that's why he says blame it on Rio. He like because he's like, oh yeah, I'll go to Rio. <laughs> Sex with what's her face. So anyway, what's this week's IMDb? Oh, yeah. Okay, um, it's a tough one. That's your hint. <laughs> All right, <laughs> I'm, I'm listening. Raise your process that clue. I'll wait and then I'll do it because. Uh, you can't pause these, I know. So I'll, I'll let the listeners wait, too. All right. Okay, they're done. Um, Jake, by the way, the rule is if you, <laughs> if you have a guess, that's good. Um, I love that you said a name and then you immediately went into a, a parenthetical. Well, I remember I was remembering back to the Robocop one, and I was thinking, wait, they always start with the name of the protagonist on IMDb and for some reason that was interesting anyway to me only uh, but I was going to say to you my parenthetical was if you think you know it you get to interrupt me Inclu- and the listeners can also do that alright good Jake no? okay an aspiring singer from Tennessee <laughs> I have no idea keep going it's one of the phantasms uh comes to New York and finds herself Jake finds herself working in in club owned by a sleazy guy named Freddy <laughs> I love how it gets detailed at the end it seems Jake is under contract it seems Jake is under contract and Freddy doesn't want to let her go <laughs> the it seems part implies However you interpret the scene. So Jake makes a bet, semicolon, that she can train anyone to sing, and if she does, he lets her out of her contract. <laughs> and the guy she has to train is Cabby named Nick. <laughs> they go to her home in Tennessee... And Jake tries to teach him, but it's very tough. That's the end of it. Oh my god. I know. That's the whole of the first act. What? I guess they don't want to spoil what happens, because you don't know what anything. It's obviously gonna be a That is awesome. Do you know which movie it is? I have no idea. I was so I was so lost in the subject verb agreement and the different antecedents and pronouns. I know. The rock is distracting from what <laughs> I totally got. Yeah, that's true. The syntax is outweighs the oh yeah, as I call it. <laughs> I have no idea what this is. You've seen this movie, although I would have thought you would have seen it for some reason, and you'll be offended when you find out what it is based on that. You'll All go, right, what? what I'd seen that. Well, I, I I don't have any idea. So go ahead. 
It's rhinestone. <laughs> why, why would I know? Why, why would any? Why would I know that? The Sylvester Stallone movie from the '80s, which sounds like things you would totally. <laughs> that is not my wheelhouse. With Jaws: The Revenge. See, I guess I get, you and Tom are like the opposite of each other. Because now I bet Tom will be going, oh, Rhinestone, obviously. And, but you're the Jaws of the Revenge. But why would you choose that? Well, the writing. The same reason you liked it. All right. Well, you win <laughs> this You you win this round, Kelly Wand. I, I agree with you. The writing is worth it. I also kind of am fascinated by that movie. Because Dolly Parton... Have is, you actually watched that movie? I saw it on cable... I did go to the theater, in my defense. Right. Um, um, although I did toy with seeing Best Little Whorehouse in Texas prior to that. And the Dolly Parton. <laughs> went, eh, I'm too young to appreciate it. And then I thought, oh, I, I think I would have been exactly the right age for this. <laughs> All right, well. Like, the black cop pairs up with the black prostitute for the dance number. Oh, <laughs> and I can't believe you did Rhinestone. That's awesome. Okay, so the thing about Rhinestone that's cool is uh, Sylvester Stallone's character wears a shirt that has a brain on it. Or wait, a ribcage. What do those do? I get those what two. Is, so. What does that mean? He wears like a yellow shirt with a brain on it. And he, while he's trying to learn country music from Dolly Parton in like honky-tonk bars. All right. Now that I know it's Rhinestone, I can't wait to listen to this podcast, hear you read that, and then wonder, should I ever watch the movie Rhinestone? Well, I could always play it as a mini penny. I have that power and authority. Oh, shit. That's true. You could totally pull that card on us at some point. It's sitting there, like zapped. Oh, that's really scary. Embolism. Kelly, you have a... You have a strange power. Rhinestone? Is that what made you say those words just now? Yeah. I, I just realized that... My power comes out you can, pull, you can pull a weird card and say, you're going to have to watch this, Christian. That's it. Well, I was trying to think of movies with the goofiest plots ever. Um, And I remember seeing the trailer for Rhinestone, and it's her arguing with the Jake. <laughs> I didn't know her name was that, but anyway... um. The guy and going, I can make anyone into a singer. You just wait. And then Sylvester Stallone pulls up in a cab and crashes into something and goes, What the? And then everyone in the audience remember cheered, like, Yeah! But I don't remember that being a big box office hit. So that audience tricked me into thinking, like, they were excited that it was Sylvester Stallone crashing into something. So wait, that was that's Dolly Parton? Dolly Parton is Sylvester Stallone, yeah. She teaches him how to sing country, which actually sounds kind of like a good movie now that I'm thinking about it. I agree with the audience. Forget everything I just said, making fun of it. Let's go see it. It's my mini, mini pity for next week. Whatever we're seeing. Wait, 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 wait. It reminds me of every movie. <laughs> what's the What's the Dolly Parton movie where? Uh, where That's why like, I thought you seen it because it sounds weird. Oh, what was your question? There's a Dolly Parton movie where she's. Um, it's not that many. That's and, and there's, there's not that many, but there's one that's like, that's <laughs> like they're all uh, weird. There's like a talk show movie that she's in, and and there's uh, there's a there's there was an artist in residence when straight I straight talk, it was straight a, talk, yeah. straight talk. Well done, talk straight talk. And she, yeah, I remember because she sings a song for it. Uh very well done. I don't I like, remember that. I like that you called that. Very good. Uh, she's oh. pretty. I like Dolly Parton. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad that you said that. That's the so last movie I could name that she made. Oh, straight talk. To all of them. 
except oh, for the straight well, talk. Let's just I, see it. When I was in when I was in school, uh, when I was in college in in uh, in theater school, uh, we had an artist in re- residence, and <laughs> and he was writing a movie about this uh, this uh, this uh, talk show host in Chicago, and he and he sang and he like he played the opening song that he was that he'd worked on. He was like, "Good morning, Chicago," and he did this whole great like thing about it. And it sounded like a really great idea for it, and then he he sold it, and it just got mangled and turned and and crunkled around in the Hollywood machine, and it it eventually ended up being that thing that you just mentioned, straight, straight talk. talk. I was going to say, oh, it became talk radio, and then Dolly Parton made a parody of it. That's uh, what no, but but this guy, this this guy who was a who's a really good actor, um, <laughs> pretty woman. They pretty woman. His serious. Drama movie. But, well, that happens to a lot of series drama movies. No, I know it's weird. Like, they, oh, we gotta make this, and they change everything. They, they kind of put it through the wash cycle, and it made it into this movie, Straight Talk. And I just remember him going, "Uh, really? That's what you're gonna do with it?" Um, but he he had made he, and he was a really talented. Uh, you know, he was really good at. I I cannot understand how anybody writes music but i remember this guy like saying this is what one of the songs would be and he just like sat down at the piano and said this is how the opening song would be and and it's this like beautiful like opening like this great opening song about this woman like coming into chicago and just being so excited um and it ended up being this dolly parton movie called straight talk so he didn't write it for dolly parton because it's all it's a her movie so it's like once she's cast it's gonna be straight talk absolutely absolutely right yeah he wrote serious song like who did he see as the dolly parton I have no idea, but he, but he had a whole. But but once, uh, once it got sort of like swept up into the Hollywood machine, it became something else. Um, but I'm I'm so happy that as soon as I said what the name of it was, you're like, oh, well, that's straight talk. I can't believe you. I can't believe you actually knew that. She's made very few movies. They all stick out. That's I've never seen that one though. Now you're making me like I don't even know who else is in it or what. I have no idea who's in it. I have absolutely no idea. It got the sense from the see the trailer didn't get like awaken my curiosity the way Rhinestone's trailer did like instantly like wait what she's gonna make Sylvester Stallone a country star how can that suck well as with Straight Talk it's like oh someone gives her a microphone by accident and then she becomes a hit which is like every movie like that oh is that what happens I'm assuming <laughs> <laughs> well it sounds kind of like a face in the Maybe crowd we'll- that we just watched a little while ago or that I watched. That's what Face of the Crowd would be if it was made. Like, that's what your friend underwent. Like, they made... Anyway, uh, oh. my fr- his name is Michael Rupert, he, and he did, a, he did a great job on that. But uh, I just remember him trying to introduce, like, these are the songs that he wrote for this thing, and they ended up being a, a, a Dolly Parton movie. But, but you figure that she would only have gotten cast. They go, oh, this is perfect for Dolly Parton. So the songs to them... I don't know. It's all said. They a fucking computer spit her name out, and that's how they do everything. Uh, I don't know. I think it's just who a bunch of people think this is going to make us some money, and you can't can't fault it because this is a business. What are you going to? No, no, I know, but it does make you wonder. Like, if they took the script, I don't know. Sometimes the studios are right though. Because remember the payback thing? <laughs> yeah, actually, that's a good point. Like the studio payback's better than the whole going one. Am I crazy? Anyway. Uh, yes, you are crazy, but I don't know that you're wrong. 
But anyway, we did not watch Rhinestone no. or Straight Talk. Uh, yes. And, and I want to make clear um, that we are still in non-spoiler territory as I tell you all what we actually saw this week, which was the Baba Duke. That's a, a spoiler. We saw the Baba Duke, a 2014 Australian horror drama thriller movie about why reading good night stories is a bad idea. It was written and directed by Jennifer Kent, and it stars Essie Davis, Daniel Henshaw, Noah Wiseman, and Barbara West. The Baba Duke is rated as non-rated. Yeah. Wait, they're the... It's not yet. It hasn't even been rated yet uh, because it has no. Uh, it is too indie successful to yet be considered for a PG thirteen edit. So, um, so there's there's no rating yet for the Babadook. It's it's mainly been released as a uh, video on demand kind of movie. Um, so I think that there's a lot of people watching how successful it's being right now, and they're without wondering a without a rating, proving and wondering. Point. Can we trim it to a PG-13, or what the heck do we do with this thing? So it's it's not even rated yet. <laughs> I think it's already as we talk about it, they're on the radar. I think I think it's clear that this particular uh, cut that we saw would be rated R, but it's not. There's no official rating from the MPAA yet. It's one of those movies where that makes my I think makes my case that ratings are dumb because without a rating, I think this cut's great. So it's like to change it to get a rating is dumb. All right, yeah, I, I you know, in this case, I think we, I think we can get into that. And I love that you, I absolutely love that you said that. And I'm going to file that away, and we're going to bring that up later um, because I love that you, I absolutely love that you said that. That's a really, Kelly, that's that's a really cool thing that you just said. But it's notice it's an Australian movie. Like their rating system's different. Although they're supposed to, I always got the sense theirs was harder core than ours. Like they're always like. Oh, uh, well, it doesn't matter what their rating system is, as you know, having lived in a foreign country, uh, you dealt with the Vancouvering ratings all the time. Uh, but still, we deal with what we have to watch in our country. Um, so whatever they rated it in Australia doesn't matter to us. What matters is what we have to show it. Right, but no, but also the fact that it's an Australian horror movie, maybe that's the way you trick the ratings for it. Like, okay, uh, it's an Australian horror movie, so we don't know what to rate it anyway. Actually, that's a very good point. I remember Australia have been very weird as far as game ratings is concerned. Too. Right. Right. But is it just games? I don't huh. think know. You know, I don't know. But anyway, moving on to our numbers, which are uh, actually our quarter to three Dewey Decimal Specialist ran in and and he and he pulled like the card from the Dewey decimal system and he slapped it down on my desk saying these are the, the these are the numbers for the for the Babadook. So the Babadook <laughs> on uh, Rotten Tomatoes, uh, which is the percentage of reviews that are positive, the Babadook is at ninety seven percent. Uh ninety seven. Fuck you ratings. <laughs> Metacritic rating ninety seven. Metacritic, which the average ratings from all viewers is at eighty seven percent. Wait, the critics like it? No, the audience. Which one's the second one? 
The <laughs> second one is just an average of ratings. So uh, uh, Rotten Tomatoes is a percentage. And it's just a percentage of reviews that they calculate are positive. 97% of the reviews are positive. So the average rating from various reviews is 87%. Both sevens. There's always... Yeah, there's the sec- always... There's the always- second digit's always the same. As far as box office is concerned, you can't really talk about Babadook in those in those uh, in that situation. I mean, obviously, Mockingjay was number one. Two was that stupid Penguins movie, which I had to go to the. Uh, what? Uh, yeah, I went to see it because uh, you know I had Thanksgiving with my son, my dad's uh, here, no so excuse. we, no we all went to see it. Uh, I, and I agree with you. No excuse. It's one of the worst movies I've ever seen. Please, I beg you. <laughs> Anybody who's saying this, don't rent it, don't look at it, don't don't pay attention to a thing about it. Penguins of Madagascar is one of the worst movies I've ever seen. Please do not do it. Ugh. It's it's horrid. And number three is Big Hero Six, which is the movie I saw the day before, which is a movie everybody should see. Uh kid, adult alike. It's it's really it's delightful, it's enjoyable. I mean uh, it's not like The Incredibles. It's not on that level, but it's maybe a notch below that. But Big Hero Six is certainly worth watching. Um, and if you if you're going to take your kids to see a movie, take them to see Big Hero Six. It's worth seeing in a theater. Do not go to see that Penguins movie. It is really just a commercial <laughs> for merchandise, and it sucks. I mean, it sucks so bad. It's so terrible. Oh my god. So Babadook, Babadook. Is not a movie you're going to relate as far as box office concerned. It made like twenty seven thousand uh, dollars, but it was only in a few theaters and it's only on uh, video on demand. So don't worry about it, Babadook. You're not going to worry about uh, numbers. Um, so having the numbers out of the way, what I'm no thinking right now, no box it, office. Sorry, <laughs> I was that was her agreeing with you, the mom. I agree. So Kelly Wand. Oh yeah, things. Babadook things. Uh, um, I'm thinking of like um, something that w- might tell us what the story was or what happened <laughs> in the movie. I have no idea what you call this thing, but I know you're going to tell us about it. You don't have a guess because it's a good one. It's like a ch- it's like a melodic. I would be happy to make a guess, but that's Tom's purview. I'm not going to make a guess. You You've should- made guesses before. You've already broken that rule. You may as well guess again. I've never broken that rule. How dare you? Guess every week. Do that again? No. Oh, God. So many rules. They change constantly. I would guess Babadoxus, but what would you say? Wait, what did you say? Babadoxus? Yeah. Okay. Babadoxus. I had the Babadopsis with a P. Oh, that makes much more sense. The Babadopsis. The Babadopsis. The Babadopsis. You sound like you're about to do a song. It's fun to say it. It is actually fun to say that, Bobadopsis. But you went with the K first. That's interesting to me. I don't know That's why I did that. I think because of the knock, knock, knock. Ah, see? You're a better writer. Fuck! No, Damn I it. think Bobadopsis is better. Bobadopsis. I can't stop saying it now. It's like Bobadopsis. a pop song. Bobadopsis. <laughs> That's going to be the, the, the best. That's going to be the song for the this summer. The my, my family had a secret language called Abish, and it was where you had Ob before each sounding vowel. So, like, your name would be Dobbin Cabas, Kabalabi Wabbit, and Napoleon would be Naba Pabalabi Abbin, Babar Nabar Pabataba. Wow. 
So the Babadopsis in Amish would be the Baba Baba Daba Babapsis. Oh my God! What if I read the whole opsis like that? I I would freak out That's because it. because oh. my kid is constantly doing Pig Latin to me and going, "What am I telling you?" And they'll do Pig Pig Latin and they'll be like, "What did I just say to you?" And I'm like, "This is too much pressure." It's like Interstellar, but he's <laughs> <laughs> what's my watch saying? Yeah. <laughs> You're not gonna get it for years. <laughs> Look which books in October. Check it out. Did you get it? Did you get the message? To stay. Did you get it? To stay. Did he start doing that after Interstellar? Your son? No, he's just. Uh, Check it out. I've never. I don't think I've met your son. I don't know that he would say, check it out. <laughs> All right. All right. All right. So, so the, so the, the Bobadopsis. Moving on. Kelly Wand. Propostabayabin Mabarastabaki. All right. Let's do this. Aussie SpaceX having a nice erotic dream about windshields when her kid's all, Mommy, Mommy, wake up. I dream there's no monster under me bed again. Oh, sorry. Were you asleep? La. They look under the bed. <laughs> it starts out good. Are you asleep? La. <laughs> See, Jaden Smith was la 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 la, but the Australian kid's more sophisticated. Right. That's the proof of that. It's laba in Amish. <laughs> they look under his bed at some monster droppings. She's all, see, you're just delusional. He's all, uh, this wasn't the bed I was talking about, mummy. We gotta look under the one from me dream. She opens the closet. She's all, see, monster closet's just a myth. The kid's all, fuck, mommy, I didn't even think about monsters being in here. Now I'm scared shitless. See? This entire stain here is all pee. She tucks him into bed by reading Wolfen by Whitley Stryber. She's all... Oh, yeah, by the way, Dingus, I saw extraterrestrial. We'll talk about that later. Oh, no. Really? Yeah. Right. Good. I'm a fan of the genre of extraterrestrials. I know you are. But why I said that is I'm nervous that we should have seen that. Nah. All right, good to know. I thought it would out fire in the sky, fire in the sky, but kind of punts. Anyway, the mom's all. Then Albert Finney smashed a model of some condos, so the wolf had declared peace on all humans except Gregory Hines. The end. Still awake, eh? All right, where's Arliss? Arliss? How do you say that in Australian? <laughs> the kid's all, Mummy, mummy, read this one. Seriously? More Stryber? Why couldn't she have been a girl? I mean, awesome. Here we go. Communion Chapter 1. The gray flipped me over, pulled its nine-dimensional turkey baster out me crack and went, You sure you don't want any pictures of me? I, the author Whitley Stryber, was all. Now just use words. Mommy, this one's getting too convoluted. Read this one, this one. <sighs> God, you're like all four Wonka runner-up kids mashed together into a single little hell beast. That came out wrong. Oh, pop-up book. Please no Griffin and Sabine. Ah, Mr. Bobadoo. <laughs> I know, I like him too, Dingus. Ah, Mr. Bobadoo. Page one. Roses are red, violets are blue. When you hear the knock on the door, the Bobadoo will eat your weird son. It's <laughs> not very good writing. Who's psyche came up with this? I think I thought that rhyme when I wrote it. All right. <laughs> All right. Very good. 
then there's a pop-up in the open in the book and looking uneasy. Eh. Let's give communion another walkabout. Come on, Mummy, you had me at weird. <laughs> All right. Uh, this book is evil and will ruin your life. Dennehy in First Blood was Sheriff Teasel. Soon you'll be fucking waving a knife. Pop goes the to be continued in Volume 2. <sighs> C-. minus. Timmy, where'd you go? Under the bed, Mummy, where the poems can't get me. Timmy, don't go down there. That's where the monsters are, remember? Now, if you'll excuse me, I got a dream about your father to resume. He died en route to the hospital, and I was going into labor with you. Remember? <laughs> I like talking like Australia. <laughs> I turned to the Australian nine-year-old. <laughs> I may have to back up, or we'll lose this awesome joke. He died en route to the hospital when I was going into labor with you. Remember? I turned to the Australian nine-year-old sprinkling broken glass on my popcorn and go, but that was a crowded ambulance. <laughs> it's such a long way, huh, Dingus? I didn't want to lose it. It's too powerful. You made it. Long wait. The next morning, the mom wakes up to the clamor of her son shooting out every window in the house with a crossbow he made in the basement using a saw and a piece of wood. The kid's all, hey, mommy, check it out. He raises the crossbow and shoots a dart into the eye of the old neighbor lady peering at them through the shattered window. The old lady's all, um... The mom's all, sorry, Mrs. Ropley. The old lady's all, well, I did come over to borrow a dart. (laughs) The kid's all, don't worry, Mommy. If the Babadook tries to kill us, I'll just do this. He puts on a top hat, waves a magic wand, and makes a deck of cards depressed. You like that one, Dingus? <laughs> yeah, I did, actually. <laughs> I wasn't sure about it. <laughs> While he's sawing the old lady in half, the mom's all, Speaking of oldness, I'm late for me job. She goes to the old folks' home, where her job's to bring tea to a different old lady. <laughs> Here's your unflavored chamomile, Mrs. Jaundice. <laughs> the old lady's all, I asked for it spilled! She smashes her mug against the wall and bares her gums in a toothless snarl. The mom goes to the break room and tells her love interest, I think maybe I'll just need to stick to my own age group for a couple decades. The love interest is all, Uh, the principal at your son's kindergarten just called, says his woodshop teacher just took a dot in each testicle. He turned us straight at the end, I guess. <laughs> that happens. She's all, where's a dango when you need one? Indulgent. She goes to the school. The principal's all, yeah, your son's pretty annoying. He was reciting poetry and talking about a book he's read. You're lucky we don't put him down. Also, we faked the moon landings. <laughs> Remember when that sa- we saw that movie, Dingus? We do. Not together, but in spirit. Just like the movie. She's all... I was like TARS when you were seeing it. Like I was in the continuum with you, even though we weren't in the same theater. Now back to... <laughs> I can't believe you just said I was like TARS. I wanted to say his name. I can't believe TARS is now going to be part of the... Uh, did you just... Uh, it's part TARS of it. Yeah, you just tars that. Like, well done. Tars. Well, I, I just totally soiled the Bobadopsis, and it was killing. Yeah, you be, but you just... You just 
made it more possible for TARS to be part of the zeitgeist. Well done. Well, his name's in Australia. That's a good point. Almost. Can't spell Australia without TARS. Uh, the principal's all, your son's pretty annoying, blah 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 She's all, his name's not the boy. It's whatever his name is. After his father. Come on, boy. Let's go find us a different principal. They go to a park with a bench on it. While he defiles some monkey bars, another mom's all. <laughs> By the way, my daughter ate your son. So from now on, he has to have a different birthday. The kid reaches the top of the monkey bars. Oh, fucking goddamn monkey bars is awesome. Monkey bars. So, monkey tars should have been. Oh, Ooh. Boom. It's callback. <laughs> the kid. See, it was all planned. Continue reading, Wand. The kid reaches the top of the monkey gars and goes, Hey, Mom, watch this. He clicks a red button. France blows up. <laughs> Damn that kid. It's what happens when you're dad. Never mind. He kicks the back of her seat all the way home, then makes her read a chapter from the pop-up book where Mr. Babadook kicks her seat all night long. <laughs> kicks her back. <bed. laughs> I'm going to rewrite that joke now. She forgets he likes heights and tries to hide the book on top of the bookcase, then tries to throw it away, only to find out sanitation's in on it. She's all right, look, since you've been good, I'm going to forget you've been banned from any event with the word potty in it. Just promise me you'll try to... He's all, look, mummy. He shoves a little girl out of a treehouse. He's all, in my defense, she was calling me a non-murderer. She takes him to a psychiatrist. He's all, so how long's your son been seeing books? She's all, son, do you have any pills to help me sleep till noon? He's all, well, I can prescribe you this Arliss DVD for a week, but the side effects involve dog killing. She's all, trust me, the dog can't read. The kid neither. Thanks. Things finally stabilize in the household. The mom and her son hold hands and shove the old lady neighbor out of the treehouse together. Her love interest at the nursing home is never seen again. She domesticates the Babadook by feeding it some worms her son collected from their worm garden. Windshields are banned from Australia. The son's all, how was he today, mummy? She's all, not bad. I was only bent over backwards in terror for a few minutes. Unlike labor pains, no offense. He's all, will I ever get to feed him, mummy? She's all, when you're older and a woman. Plus you found the worms. Quit being so fucking greedy all the time. A newspaper's all. Motherhood declared metaphor for pop-up books. Uh, that's the uh, anticlimactic end, I guess, of the Bob Dobsons. I ran out of time is moving. I mean, Can I just say that the way you say mummy um, is right up there in... Uh, Egyptians say it? No, no, no. It's 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 up there in your impersonation abilities with your Kevin Costner impersonation and your John Hurt. Uh, just the way you say the way that kid, um, Samuel, I think, who's pl- uh, played by Noah Wiseman, y- your mummy is a dead ringer for the way he says it. So congratulations. Uh, you, you just caught it. You just got it. You got the exact way he says mummy, uh, w- which is – so important to how this movie works, uh, and you just nailed it. Every time you said it, <laughs> I, I, I don't know what to tell you. You channeled that little kid when you were saying mummy, so well done. He like, well, I like to shoot 
people with shit too. <laughs> okay. Keep things make messes. Uh, I so, as a child, I was. So like, this is this is one of these moments, and there are many of them. Moments. Um, moments. Uh, when uh, when I am just. And I know both of us feel this way when it's so hard not to have Tom here because because I I am so um, inadequate when it comes to uh, evaluating horror movies. And uh, the two of you have so much more experience in this. So I would so much want to be able to. No, that's why you're the unicorn to us is because it's like – because remember Martyrs. Yeah, well, Martyrs is a a good example because – I mean, I is it even a horror movie? I mean, not I'm nuts about that. And there's there's a couple others that we'll talk about later on um, that it Tom, turned out that were really meaningful to me. But you guys actually know what you're talking about, so I would like to hear what. Like, but we're also jaded, so it's kind of boring. I don't think you're. I, you know, I don't. I think that the last word I would use to describe either one of you is jaded, uh, because I think that the two <laughs> of you are the two of you are so. Um, uh, have such, I don't know, uh, bright minds that when when a new thing comes into your um, radar, you will like, okay, I'll look at this and see and evaluate it for what it is. Whereas I'm the one who's like, well, this movie has already done something that somebody else has already done. Uh, <laughs> but but you guys are like, who cares? I, I'm seeing this for what it is. And you guys are really good at doing that. And so I, I really wish that uh, you know Tom, who I think is our our horror expert, we're here to to talk about this. So, well, he loves parenting themes and he loves like woman themes. So it's like a three for where he. So we know he would have liked this movie. Absolutely, absolutely. I, well, he I, saw this movie. <laughs> he made us see it, so we knew he liked it. Yeah, I I think he already yeah. saw it. I know he saw it. You know, uh, about the same time we saw it because it was available for video on demand this week. I know he eventually saw it. Um, I'm not sure what he thinks about it. I know he's excited to hear the podcast about it, and he's not listening to us talk about it now. Um, so, sure. given that you're more versed in horror than I am, and I love what you just said about what themes that he would normally like because I want to talk about those. Um, what, do you, what do you think about this thing? What do you think about the Babadook? I thought it was great. I thought it was, the acting was great. I thought it was creepy and I loved... Um, oh, I'm so glad you said the word creepy. Go ahead. Yeah, the kid's creepy and then halfway through, something kind of amazing happens in the movie or the dynamic changes and suddenly the kid's realizing to his horror that he's not the fucked up one anymore. Well, not just he's realizing that. We're realizing that. Right, right. But, like, it's definitely different. It's definitely – I love movies where people start as one type of personality and end as another type of personality. I think those are always the most interesting. Like Godfather kind of movies. Good. Uh, But, yeah, but, like, I think Tom – also, I was thinking – I was trying to think of, like, Australian movies where there's not a vehicular mishap. Which is weird because that whole con is desert <laughs> outback, but every movie, the rover and anything Mel Gibson, obviously, and Dead Calm has a car thing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I absolutely know what you mean. Logan's and, run. And, and Dead Calm is something that I wrote in my notes as I was watching the movie because that that 
uh, inciting incident or that early mm-hmm. moment with the with the with the car, with the car wreck. Yeah, the, the dead calm thing is immediately what I thought of. Yeah, I did because, too. Because of the way that this movie opens, and mm-hmm. I think that's beautifully shot as this weird dreamlike, and of course it's a dream thing. It immediately made me think of dead calm. And, yeah. uh, and of course, the way the movie unfolds made me think of Dead Calm. Of course, Dead Calm goes in a completely different direction, yeah. or this does. Um, but well, I, but go ahead. Well, all this happens because of that. I think I think that's the implication. But in Dead Calm, you think I mean, is the implication that they would have just been on a boat? They're only in a boat because they're bummed out. <laughs> they're grieving. Yeah, yeah, it absolutely is. I mean, oh, it's, okay. it's much more still for that because Sam Neill's character is like, all right, uh, we suffered this so let's just get out on our sailboat and um you know he was a he was a military dude and then he's like let's go out on our sailboat just so we can get over our grave but that doesn't summon billy zane no no so you know I, I, like the, I like that you use the word summon please keep that in mind for later <laughs> uh, i think that what happens with them as far as the barge is concerned is completely different as far as what happens in this movie but but the idea of them in Dead Calm is we're just going to go out on on the on the water in our sailboat just to get over this loss, just to just to process our grief. Um, that's his idea. What we'll do is get away from everybody else and not be connected, and that that's how we'll get over our grief. So that's what happens in Dead Calm. Yeah. I think what happens here is completely different. Um, the thing. Um I think it was a Sam Raimi quote where it's like when you the advantage and disadvantage of women in horror movies, or especially a bit advantage advantage is like they make better victims, so they're like really good protagonists, but they're also yeah. mysterious to guys. So it's like when we see them as the like in in the ring and in the grudge, where it's like, well, you know, it's a woman already, so the fact that she's a ghost and going crazy isn't that big a leap to us. Like if for if you're a guy watching a horror movie, so is that is that uh, is that doubled or exponentially changed when you have a woman and a child going through that thing? Because it's exponentially better. Well, yeah, and then also the the director's a woman too, so it's like I feel like they make better horror directors, maybe. Right, and this was this is directed and written by a woman named Jennifer Kent, yeah. who was an actress up to this point, and, and she this is her first thing that she's directed. This is her first thing that she's done, and and she's coming out of the gate with uh, a horror movie. Um, and what do you think about what she does here? As a debut effort, it's amazing because it creeped me out, and like I said, like me and Tom are jaded. And I was still really uneasy for the whole for most of the movie. I thought the Baba Duke was creepy. I thought the book was creepy. I thought the kid was creepy. I thought the mom was creepy. Everyone but the dog, basically. Every character was <laughs> giving me the heebie-jeebies. So uh, this is one of That's my hard. pet. This is one of my pet projects: is to figure out what is the difference between scary and creepy. Was this movie scary to you, or creepy to you, or both? I think I. It's scary to me is when you jump or you're like. Like something in the thing where the guy's, where the guy gets his hands bitten off, like that's scary. Like you're like, what? Like it's a, but then Tom is anti jump scare, mm-hmm. but he's a horror fan. When a lot of them are, like they have jump scare crutches. So well, regardless, did, did, were you when you were watching this, were you scared or were you creeped out? I was mostly unnerved and creeped out. Okay, but largely not even because of what was going on, but just the way it was building. Like the kids, 
climbing up shit. He's going downstairs. Like it was just well shot. Like well edited. You know, I, I would I, I would totally agree. I, I agree with you. I I, lo- I really love this movie. Um, I love it, but I I feel terrible. I felt terrible watching it. Yeah, because um, I, I, I believed in the characters, and I felt bad for them. <laughs> I felt their pain. It's not only that. I, I I felt bad because I because of the way I felt about what the movie was about. Um, I found it creepy much more than I found it scary, uh, and I found it unnerving and unsettling and disturbing, um, which I think is uh, is the kind of horror movie I prefer. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I'm not a, a big fan, or I shouldn't say that. I'm, I'm I've become a fan of horror movies because because They're thankfully be, because of you and because of Tom. Uh, I've been introduced to horror movies as they should be introduced. Uh, I, I, you know, uh, I, I don't need a movie that's just going to scare me. I, I, I love a movie that is going to unsettle and um, and freak me out and creep me out. And this movie does that to me because I understand from my perspective this this movie and um, and I would be interested to hear what you say about this. Um, th- this movie is about not only about the the horror and the uh, um, and the creepiness and the unsettlingness of being a parent when you don't think you should be a parent, but it specifically I think this movie is about how difficult and how scary it is to be a single parent, which is one of the one of the scariest and uh, most frightening things as you think about the future of raising your child, um, of of almost anything that you can do, and I think that what um, what uh, what what is the what's the what's her name Emily? Uh, what what she's going through in raising Samuel after losing her husband um, is one was one of the scariest things you can go through, and and watching her have to process this and the way the filmmaker says this is this this is uh, a horrific way of having to process this. Um, is 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 just freaking incredible to me. It's 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 uh, it's a terrifying movie to me without being scary. In, in that I I didn't have jump scares. I mean I I saw every moment when when you see something emerging from the dark or something falling out of the the, the falling out of the chimney or all these little things. I don't think there are any jump scares in this so much as it is constantly terrifying and unsettling to me. Well, when the when she has that one dream about the Babadook descending from the ceiling, does that count as a jump scare? Uh, you know, I don't, I don't find anything. I don't, I don't know. Uh, you know, one one of the things that I, f- I find fascinating about this movie is that anything that's that could be construed as a jump scare is something that anybody who knows horror movies is going to expect. That hat falling out of the chimney, him emerging from the darkness, um, all of those things don't make me jump. But they are, they are, they are things that are somebody who has seen those movies. If she were to create them or summon them, as you said earlier, if she were to summon this, this being from her her subconscious of her fear, because if she were to summon that, I mean, we see her constantly watching these terrible, crappy movies on late night TV, and we see her watching scary movies, and we see these images constantly thrown into her head. So the idea that something falls out of the chimney is no surprise to me because she's already have she already has these things embedded in her head. So it there it's not that it makes me jump, but it 
it unsettles me, it scares me, but it doesn't it doesn't scare me as in a jump scare. It just makes me feel terrified and horrible in a in a sort of a cathartic way. Well, yeah, it's definitely because those are like creepy is much harder to do than scary. Um, as far as we define it, yes, I think it is. I mean, it's not just like it's not just worms. It's 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 like yeah. it's it gets into you in a way that like scary to me like a jump scare feels external, creepy feels internal. And this movie this movie feels more internal to me than external. Right. Well, also all it's external. They 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 mirror each other because it's not just about uh, like a hat falling on the chimney. It's like about her catching herself saying like horrible things to her son. Yeah. And her son going, I know you don't love me, and I know you wish yeah. it was, you wish wish it was me that died, but I love you. Like to even hear that, like that's that's the thing about the rating thing that I was gonna point out is like these Australian movies are fucking intense. That's what's weird to me about. Like that they have a hinkier rating system than we do. Like they're like this movie was a very intense experience to watch. I thought. Oh yeah, there's no way I would let my kid watch this movie. Yeah, like I'm it, not a parent. It's, and it's I too fuck. It's too intense and for the wrong reasons yeah. for a child. But it's yeah. totally appropriate for somebody who's our age and and really appropriate for somebody who has fears about being a parent. Yeah. Especially about being a single parent, mm-hmm. which is not something that I necessarily have to deal with, but I know a lot of people who do, and that is just – it's terrifying. Well, yeah, and the way the movie – I mean, I don't – I don't know. I kind of just like, – I get into like the actual – like this is like this is the person I know, like the character in the movie. But like the fact that she – how she became a single parent has everything to do with what's going on too. Well, yeah, I mean that does. That certainly sets off the idea of why there's sort of a ghost or supernatural presence that can be plugged into this movie. Yeah. And I didn't think that it was going to be possible to get as – it's kind of a bittersweet ending, but it's definitely like a happier ending than I was. I thought we were going to get wind up with it just based yeah. on how harsh things had gotten. All right. Well, but, but before, before we get to the ending – um, because I'm really interested in talking about that because I'm really confused about it and I want to hear your take on it. Before we get to that, though, I, I really, really, really want to talk about uh, the performance of Noah Wiseman, who plays Samuel the Kid. Oh, he's amazing. All right. So you say he's amazing. Tell that me is, what you mean by that. It's a tough role because he has to be – I mean because he's kind of a cute-looking boy. He's got like towsley curl. Like I, he kind of looks – I think I was a cute kid and then I kind of trolled out later. But that was adding another layer of it. It was like, she kind of looked a little like my mom, and I, he looked a little like me. Although I wasn't, like, terror. Like, yeah, it's a very physical role for him, too. Like, he has to do a lot emotionally and physically. Like, he has to be convincing as a terror, but he also is kind of like a lovable little moppet. And then he has to go through. She is, like, she's having to carry a lot of water, too, like having to change. But he has to change, too, for the whole second half of the movie. Right. And uh, I didn't think there was a false note from either of them it's kind of like a two person like it's just them in the house mostly right unless you know Baba Duke and that's a pretty like but, it's what the road wishes it was oh okay well that's a great point boy jeez I didn't even think of that take that Cody 
Yeah, that's a really good point. I mean, the, my my worry is is beyond that, and I'm glad that you brought up the road because, um, what do you think about what uh, Noah um, Wiseman has to do for the first half of the movie? Because for the first half of the movie, and you talked about this switch that happens for the first half of the movie, he it's has to. Us. He has to be not, you know, Dennis the Menace is a polite way to put it. Yeah. He has to be somebody we hate. Right. He has to be somebody that we understand why, because you know, one of the, one of the themes of this movie, I think, and this is something that I think most parents, almost all parents, would never admit, is that parents, at it, one point or another, aren't going to like their kids. There's going to be moments where you're like, God, I, yeah. Jesus, what the, and, and no parent wants to admit that ever. Um, and but some parents, and I think that this is even harder on single parents, um, especially when you when you get to the point where you wonder, should I have had a kid? Sometimes when you sometimes some parents when they have kids they realize I'm not cut out for this, but I'm in in it for the long haul. They end up not liking their children, and they have to deal with that. And so what the burden of this performance is setting that up for us so that we can accept it because we won't accept it just in the normal day-to-day we're not going to accept that any normal loving parent every now and then won't like their kid we're never going to accept that in a performance and no parent is ever going to admit that i certainly wouldn't admit that ever because i'm crazy about my kid but in a, in, a, in a mainstream movie or in any movie you're going to have to set up sort of a a difficult performance to enable us to understand, gee, this is why she doesn't like him. So the task of this performer, this this kid, is to create this character who is completely annoying and hateable. And he has to do that for the first at least third or half the movie, doesn't he? Yeah. Uh, he, any, this kid would have turned anybody into Jack Torrance. Yeah, exactly. And I'm glad you brought up Jack Torrance because the Danny Torrance character, I think – isn't as hateable as this. No, he's not even hateable. He's annoying, and that child actor went on to just become a biology teacher or something. I mean, he retired from acting. I think he played like a young Gordon Liddy, and and he just did Danny Torrance and Gordon Liddy, and then he quit acting. He didn't want to do that at all, and he became a teacher. So he he never had a career. So this kid has to carry the first half of the movie being hateable, doesn't he? Yeah. And and the director, it's her first movie, and she has to she has to direct a child actor to be hateable, and then not and then not be hateable. And and isn't he? I mean, for for watching the first part of this movie, don't you feel like God? This kid, this this performance is one of the most annoying things I've ever seen. He's so annoying. Yeah. His voice is annoying. The way he's acting is annoying. He's totally annoying. Yeah, but you already. I thought that, but I also noticed the seeds being planted, like where he comes into bed with her and she kind of like. Oh, she doesn't. Yeah, that that's that's a that's nice thing. really early on. Right, it's before he's even gotten as bad, and you're thinking. And I'm, I'm, as I'm watching, I'm thinking that's a he good noticed point. that, and he's responding to it in his way. Like he makes her insane when they're awake. But he he, it's not just that. I mean, when when they're in bed together, he clamps his arm around her neck. Yeah. And and so I don't know if that's from her perspective or what we're seeing. It's like, and then you see that upper shot of where they're, where she's as far away from him as she can be. Yeah. So well, we don't know what he was like as a baby. Like the movie kind of only gives us. We're assuming that he's like this all the time, and she's 
but it, it escalates so quickly in the movie. Right. It seems like we're only seeing a few weeks worth of time passing. But, but I think it's it's clear that that I think that you're right about those seeds being planted, but the burden on Noah Wiseman is, as a as a performer, is to be hateful. Yeah. And, and so, convincing as like he's a little kid. Right. Um, and he has to like make crossbows and shit. Like we have to believe that he could do that, and I totally did. I go, this kid's fucking Damien on speed. And Damien, and he's he's abusing other children, and he's yeah. just one of these kids where like no other parent wants that kid around yeah. my kid, that kind of thing. So that's a that's a really difficult performance to have to do. And what one of the he's things violent. He's violent. He's annoying. He's uh, whiny. Um, and that performer does all of these things perfectly. Mm-hmm. So from my perspective, and this is something that I've harped on many, many times before, from when we talked about Kick-Ass to many other movies, is um, just talking about from a performance point of view, this kid is being asked to do something that is extremely difficult. And, and if an adult performer were being asked to do this, as is the performer who plays his mother for the last half of the movie, she's making that choice. She's making a choice to, to appear uh, unsympathetic and a jerk, and, and if a star does that, everybody thinks, wow, that's such a brave performance. Uh, this is a kid being told – I don't have any idea how old this kid is. You have to be this total jerk that everybody hates, and this is the performance you're going to do. This performance is going to define his career, and so for me as a person, as a dad – it's so hard for me to watch a kid go through this performance because he doesn't have a choice. His career and his life are going to be defined by him playing this part. Wow. And so he's being this hateful, terrible, annoying child that people are going to say, this is one of the most annoying performances I've ever seen. And that's what this kid had to do because his parents decided, yeah, we're going to put you in this movie. And he didn't have any choice in this. So from a moral point of view, it's so hard for me to watch this movie and watch this kid have to go through this and this is outside of the 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 bounds of like evaluating a movie as far as filmmaking is concerned but just as a parent it's so hard for me to watch a kid go through this because as he grows up as a person this is going to follow him for the rest of his life and i don't know what to do with that i gotta be honest i don't know what to do with it i would have loved playing that role it seems like really fun I know, like kids like playing zombies. So yeah. if they were telling him, like the little rascals, they just went, "All right, just go nuts and shoot each other with these fucking darts and stuff." Like, I think they would get off on that. All right. Well, possibly. I guess I, guess I could Instead see that. Instead of crying. But just just imagine, like the you know, you're in middle school and some kid, and you're kind of awkward already. Imagine this kid in middle school and he's hey, Bob and awkward. Duke. And they're like, hey, I saw the Babadook. You're just like that kid. God, I, you're weird. <laughs> yeah, but he's that good an actor, he can probably talk his way out of it. No, know? he can't because he was That's a child it. when he did this. And it's so weird for me to see parents do that. I, 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 I know this is specific to me, but it's so weird. Yeah, but but It's such a good performance. But he, like, we're assuming that this is the first thing he's ever done. And I mean, and on the set, like most of the time, they were probably spoiling the shit out of him. Oh, I'm sure they were. And just as Stanley Kubrick was totally protecting uh, that that kid, Danny, I can't remember his name. The, the guy who plays. It's, oh, Danny something. Yeah, it's, it's Danny something. The, the, his name was Danny, the the the, Dan, the Danny Torrance character. I mean, uh, um, 
But that isn't – it's a thing. It's like – Kubrick was very protective of him, but this will follow him for the rest of his life. Yeah, and, and, and maybe he will adjust to it, and maybe he won't. But he's, what, six years old? He doesn't have a choice in that. No, but he's not an amoeba. It's like the kid who played Danny Torrance. Like, maybe he just didn't want to act anymore. He's like, ugh. No, it's not, he's not an amoeba, but he's a six-year-old. So that's no, but he's a really weird. talented one. Like, he's able to pull off something that we both admired a lot. Maybe he's talented and maybe he's not, because characters can make a kid who can do other things and scream. Sure. Be able to scream on cue. So it's but, it, that's just weird for me. Yeah, but he's so good in this, like, it's worth it. It's, it's like, worth it for us, but will it be worth it for him? And that's my sort of inherent, <laughs> inherent protectiveness. Is this worth it for him going forward? And why would a parent do that? I mean, well, I just don't understand. Remember when you felt bad for Jaden Smith and you yeah, said – Yeah, this is the same thing. I but, think that that, this, that 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 could ruin this kid's life. <laughs> That's what right, I but Jaden Smith's life was ruined before After Earth. Like he was – Yeah, but this kid really might not have been, and so it's weird for me. I think it's a great performance, but it's not – a kid who's four, five, six, seven, eight – that's not his performance it's the director creating and the editor creating that performance so it's so yeah we don't even know that he's weird for me but like dakota fanning was doing shit like that yeah true um no i'm 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 perfectly (laughs) i'm perfectly willing to admit that that i'm wrong about this but i'm just blocked by that whole idea about how in the first half of this movie he is so uh hateable and and this is part of the theme of the movie is is that idea of of how a parent can not like their kid or hate their kid and and her thing of you don't know how many times I wish he'd survived and you hadn't um, and what she has to go through and how guilty that makes her feel. Yeah, but then when he when he scoots away from her, I go, oh, he's just a good actor. Yeah, well, I think he's a very good actor, but. He's also a child. Uh, what are you gonna, you know, what's, you're saying no kid can be in a movie? Like No, I'm not saying that, but I'm saying that it, it affects me every time I see it. Oh. Um, well, you got something good out of it. I mean, the thing, like, if you saw, I'm assuming, we're both assuming things. Like, if right, right. If we saw, like, the behind-the-scenes footage, we'd probably just go, oh, a kid had it way too cushy. They should have put him in a tub. <laughs> it, they did eventually. She actually put him in a tub. Wait, what? Oh yeah, that was a good. That was a great scene. It was like a uh, birth. It really was, actually. Um, so, uh, let me ask you. Let me actually ask you this. I feel like we're jumping around a lot. Uh, we are jumping around a lot, and I apologize. So let me get us back on the actual movie. Um, and this is as the movie goes on. Um, how do you interpret this whole idea of uh, whether or not it's supernatural? I kind of like the gray area in movies I'm finding. Yeah. Like, uh, what did we just see? What was last week's movie? Oh, yeah, it was Birdman. Yeah. Like, Birdman, I think. Don't be careful well, about it. Oh, uh, yeah, okay. Just be careful. Well, we argued about it, too. Like, right. Thought it was totally consistent the whole way through. And I, uh, I didn't say that at all. So you, you, you should listen to the Birdman podcast because I didn't say that. Did I say that? You might very well have, but you said it was consistent all the way through. But given Baba Duke, um, do you think um, uh, do you think there's an external supernaturality about it, or do you think it's all in her head or his head or what? It works either way, which to me is the sign of great filmmaking. 
Like you can you can buy either way it works. I mean, I think at the end you have to assume that okay, she's sane now, but they're talking about it like it's a real thing, and she's she's sane and watching um, buckets of worms slide across the floor and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's like an eraser head kind of metaphor for sperms, maybe. Okay. I don't know what that means, but I'm willing to go with it. And so she needs him to get the worms because he's a male child. He's from the garden. That's what's going on there. Ah, and the worms even have the sound of sperms. I don't know what you're talking about, but anyway. Um, <laughs> uh, do you think there's? Do you think there's any external supernatural power going on in this movie, or is it all in her head? I understand that you you think there can be a gray area. I'm just asking you. Do you have an interpretation of it, or are you willing just to let it sit? I'm trying to think if there's any example of where it has to have been a supernatural thing and not in her head. And I can't really think of anything offhand. Like, does he ever see the Babadook and she, like, they both react to it at the same time. Like, they're both looking at something, which they do at the end of Take Shelter, which only I think seems to be a sign that Take Shelter. Oh, wait, am I allowed to talk about that, right? You'll bleep me. I will bleep you. Uh, what about the book? See, that could be in her head, though. She just dreams she finds the book. And then, and then she... She never shows the book to anyone else. She never brings it to the school. She never shows it to Love Interest Guy. She never shows it to the neighbor. But he brings it to her. Who brings it to her? The kid? He chooses it. He chooses it as the, as the book they're going to read. It's his choice. Uh, if he chooses it off of the bookshelf. Her- her mind is the house. So if anything happens in the house, it's in her head. Okay, so so, so any of that stuff that happens in the house could be in her head. Yes. Okay. The book never leaves. She takes the book out of the house. But that is, once she leaves the house, is the book even there? Right. So if she finds the book on the front stoop of the house, does that count? Yes. No. Right. Only so if any- it helps my theory, then it counts. All right. The house, the porch is, is um, that's like her nose. All right, good, very well. So, uh, when she sees the Babadook over at the the neighbor's house, it's it could be the reflection in the window, or it's it's just still in her head. Wait, the reflection, uh, that's in her head because she's seeing it through the window, so it's like coming through the the glass that she's looking through. Okay. Unless, wait, she's looking out the open window. No, she's when she's washing dishes and she looks across and she sees like the woman watching TV and she sees the 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 image in the closet behind the woman. Uh the Babadook's real, old woman fake. All right. So do you think the Babadook is a real thing or just in her head? Um, and the boy's head. Wait, does he Okay, I'm trying to think. Does he ever say Babadook or is it just her? No, he says it constantly. He's the one who introduces the idea. He says that you, you'll never get rid of the Babadook, the Babadook. He he talks about it constantly, yeah. Uh, I think it haunts them both. And yeah. Like it's summoned. Yeah, and that's the word that I love that you said. I think that it's summoned out of her fear. Yeah. And I think it becomes a real thing because, it, because of the power of her summoning. 
I really do. I really think that, uh, and this is one of those wonderful things that I love uh, about movie magic uh, and about scary and uh, creepy movies. Is I think that is summoned. I think it. I think that um, it's it, it's created out of the the power and of of her fear and her loathing of being a mother and her fear of being a terrible mother. Um, there's a Stephen I, King story called The Boogeyman where I think that's the – it's like there's a thing in the closet. But if you believe in something hard enough, then it makes it real. And so that's what makes it – Yeah, I, and, I, and I think that I think that this – I mean her fears and her loathing and her, and her, and her just like – just this situation of being a single parent and being alone and having nowhere else to go uh, and, and having a kid that nobody wants to be around because he's weird um, – I think that this whole Babadook thing, uh, I, I don't quite know what to do with it. it I, I guess. Go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say, yeah, it's his fantasy that she turns, that she makes real. Uh, it's not just a fantasy. It's, it's the, it's like a, like a joint manifestation of fear. Um, but he comes up with the name, doesn't he? Well, the book, it's in the book. Which by which by the way I have to say that book the the production design yeah. of that book is is yeah. phenomenal yeah and and there's a and there's, it is absolutely you're right it's critical I, I and I and I should say and and Tom told me the, this earlier tonight um, there there's this uh, this it's not Kickstarter but it's it's a crowdfunded uh, like Indiegogo or something where where folks go on to contribute to the uh, the the creator of this book. The artist who made this book, uh, so that they will actually make versions of this book, um, oh. and, you, and you can order them and and get them, and you, you just you contribute and you get a version of this book because it, it's it's it looks gorgeous. It looks at once like like a notebook that has been covered and written over, but uh, it has beautiful artwork, and then the there's blank pages that get filled in. It's gorgeous, but but there is there is some sort of a not again not Kickstarter, but I think uh, Indiegogo or something or other that that is a crowdsourced creation of creating these books, and as long oh, as they get like two two thousand of them, I think they're close to that. Uh, but if you order one, then you can you can actually get this book. I can't imagine reading to your kid, but it's pretty amazing. Well, I'd say to the kid what she says, which is when you're older, you can. I don't know. Then I have m- m- special mystique, but I would definitely want one just for me. Oh yeah, I would want one too, but I would never show it to my kid. And w- w- there's this a great moment where he's like, "But it was my choice to to view it. Uh, it was my choice to rate it." And she's like, oh, "All right, then I'll let you do that." Uh, and it's it's this weird sort of parenting thing that that goes on. So um, that's how night shift was when I was a little kid. It was my mom would only let me read like one story, so I'd read the Boogeyman. When you mean little kid, what do you mean? Like ten. Oh, all right, ten. ten. All right, so ten. I can't read Sam's Lot. She's thirty. <laughs> so, um, if you were to do an over for this movie, The Babadook, because I think we both really liked it for different yeah. reasons, uh, what would you put for over for Babadook? Wait, I thought we liked it for the same reasons. That it's no, really well made. You no, liked- I, I think we liked it for the same reasons, but I, I, I'm more like crazy about the idea of. It being like the the fears of a single parent like manifested into this horror creature, I don't know. Oh, no, that's great. Yeah. So, oh, what, what would you put as over for this? 
I mean, I love that kind of movie. Um, even though I'm not a parent, but it's always um, seems like it's creepy. It seems like it, it kind of makes me glad I'm not a parent a little bit, like because I kind of worry my kid would be like that. Yeah, that's not what you asked, but uh, Rosemary's Baby is a really good fair motherhood movie. Oh, damn! I didn't even think of that. That's great. Really? Because she looked kind of like Mia Farrow, I thought. I go, oh, they're doing a... Fuck, you totally beat me on that. Very good. I, I just chose The Conjuring, because I really... Ew! I what? Know, I know. Dingus! Oh. Uh, embarrassing. I know. I'm totally embarrassed. Rosemary's Baby is a great choice. My backup was Grace with Jordan Ladd. Did you ever see that movie? No, I don't even know what that is. Oh, you'd see Grace? I want your review of that movie. Grace. Oh. All right. Yeah, Grace, Jordan Ladd. Uh, she's a new mother. Um, I don't want to say anything else, but it's kind of it's not really it's, it's actually not very analogous, I guess. All right, that, it's okay. No, it's, it isn't. You just choose something that you would prefer over this movie. No, wait, I forgot. Okay, forget everything I just said because huh? I like it. Like I like. That's the thing about over. It's this is good and Rosemary's Baby's good. Yeah, yeah, I know, but it, and it can be like like just a bare like little temperature like tick. It's like picking a favorite child. I know. So what would you put under it? Uh, the Omen remake <laughs> and Problem Child Two, which is a little Ritter light. All right, good. I would put The Good Son under it. <laughs> I kind of like that movie only because that ending's kind of badass. <laughs> Do you remember how it ends? The good no. Son? I just remember how bad Macaulay Culkin was and how good. Yeah. Okay. They wouldn't have to play the good kid. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Wait, who's the bomb in it? It's not Rebecca DeWarde. She's the evil nanny. Who's oh, I, have, I have no idea. I haven't seen The Good Son since it came out. Oh, there's a, it has a good ending. Never mind. You know what? That's See, you're wrong on both ears. You're <laughs> over terrible, and you should swap those. You're All right, you're over and you're over. I fully, I fully accept that being that I am a total dilettante when it comes to understanding that how. That sounds horrible. good. The good sense. One of those movies where it's like it's like Orphan, where the main character is right and no one else, no one else will believe. Ah, that's a good point. And Elijah Wood is the good son. <laughs> and no one's even what he's saying. Well done. The uh, yeah, that's great. I love Elijah, that you brought up Orphan. Ah. It's great. Elijah Wood's a great protagonist of a horror movie because he has his big keen eyes. But so. I just remember how much better an actor he was at that time and how everybody was thrusting – how they were thrusting Macaulay Culkin on us as a great yes. actor or as the star. And Elijah Wood's the really good actor in this and he has the small well, part. And Elijah Wood's the Mark Ruffalo. Ah, very good. Well done. Analogy boy. Analogy boy, bum, bum, I'm so embarrassed. All right, so now having gone through the over under, let us talk about this week's <laughs> mini mini penny movie club of Palooza movie, which was inspired <laughs> by watching Birdman last week. Uh, well, and it was you. What movie did you choose, Kelly Wan? I picked The Tall Guy, starring Jeff Goldblum and Emma Thompson. And uh, and how do you feel about the choice of the tall guy? Uh, it's cute. It's a cute movie. What? Did you know that going in? When was the last time you'd seen the tall guy before we watched uh, it for this movie? For, I the, for this week? I it in 1989. All right. How long ago was that? 25. Oh, my God. Fucking old as fuck. Um, but I remember going, this movie's okay. 
And then it kind of growing on me as I watched, and then from the sex scene onward. It was also weird because it was right after The Fly, too. So it's like Goldblum has all these jokes about um, ears in The Tall Guy. There's a lot of ear jokes. Yeah. And in The Fly, he goes by ear and his ear falls off. So it's just like a whole year of him thinking about his own ears. And then he becomes Elephant Man. Tall guy. He's in a play called Elephant. Yeah. Because um, he has to get. It. I'm just describing the plot of the movie. It's like an opsis without jokes. So. Um, Did you watch it again this week? Yeah. Yeah. It 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 held up. I felt a little. I felt a little embarrassed though. I thought it was maybe a little too light for the quarter to three movie podcast. Uh, and I don't think anything is too light for that. I don't think that's a criticism that you need to levy at it. Um, no, but it's a guy who wrote Notting Hill, and he wrote both the Bridget Jones movies. And then I thought, I think I wish Dingus had been this had been his pick. And I was like, yeah, that, that was all right. And instead, it was me making you watch it. I, I was so excited to watch it, though. You uh, got excited when I said it, and then when I was watching it again this week, I thought, ah, Dingus is gonna make money <laughs> for picking this. It's too dumb. It's not too dumb. It's no, it, it is it is totally light. You're right. It's very thing, it's much lighter than everything. There's not even a plot. There's literally nothing. It's just which to me was really kind of charming about it. Not too many movies can get away with that. Like there's not really even any conflict that I remember except that just he he's got he doesn't like his job. He's like needles, and they both kind of. <laughs> but he's really good at it, and he's really um he get, he gets abused a lot in it. He takes a lot of physical punishment. Which I thought was maybe another interesting aftershock of the fly. It's like, ah, pretty good. But he's tall, so it kind of it, it's a different dynamic than if he was a short dude getting pummeled the whole movie and getting needles stuck in him and shit. But remember when he's getting the needles in him from the blind, not the blind doctor, the wacky doctor, mm-hmm. and he's just going oh, and then it turns he's like snarling it at the guy, yeah, like, like it's a threat, like oh, like that. Better. I don't know. Yeah, but for me, you can just remember. You can just imagine the director sitting there because the other guy's not in the shot. For a lot of that, he's like, "All right, try something else. Try something else. For try Al. something else." And then you know, Jeff Goldblum going, "All right, now I'm going to be a tiger. Now I'm going to be an right. eel. Now I'm going to be a pumpkin." You know, you can just imagine him doing all these different like, ah, yeah, and then editing all that stuff. See if the Babadook kid grows into a Jeff Goldblum actor. You're going to feel silly for. <laughs> I would totally feel silly, like but, but sadly, most of these child actors who do that kind of thing end up doing nothing because it. it yeah, just but they works. get they shot their bullets. I mean, a lot of adult. Yeah, actors. but it, it's not their choice. That's my point. But uh, but as far as Jeff Goldblum, I mean, I really liked him in this. His hair is horrible. Yeah, it's idiocy. Um, and I didn't. I for, totally forgot that I was going to have to be saddled with so much Rowan Atkinson, which is just really unbearable. I don't um, like him. I really don't. No, he's I like never... if the Babadook kid stayed this way. <laughs> yeah, I never got all of the Mr. Bean stuff. I've never understood any of his stuff. I, what I like about him is that in this, he's he, he's kind of uh, abrasive and acerbic come yeah. at certain points, which I like. I think the really the thing that totally I didn't didn't remember from watching this so many years ago when a friend of mine. Uh, I, I watched this like on a friend of mine's Betamax player like 700 years ago. Um, I don't remember how awesome Emma Thomas. Uh, Emma Thompson oh, she's is. great. 
she's she, hot. she's super hot. Yeah, and she's, she's fun. She's funny and she's sexy. Yeah. and um, and she and she doesn't do she. She doesn't have to do – she doesn't overdo it. She's just like, oh, yeah. well, why didn't you just do that? I mean she's just – she is. she's the embodiment of just this actor who even at that stage of her career, which is very early and well before she had any film success at all. Yeah, I've never just, seen her. She's so confident. She's like, this is what I've got. I know I've got it. I'm just going to do it. She is so good in this movie, and I'm like, yeah, I, I totally understand. I would follow her to the ends of the earth. Yeah. And she is hilarious and sexy. Uh, Emma Thompson is amazing in The Tall Guy. She's also convincing as a nurse. Yeah. It's even weirder because the whole movie is so goofball till she shows up, and then it's just him <laughs> – well, it's that great sort of John Hughes, like, she's going to be straight, the straight guy. Yeah. And she finally says, well, if you just would have said that you wanted to take me home and shag me, then we would do that. I mean, and she just says it so matter-of-factly, which is nothing any real woman would ever say. But she just says oh, it it's so believable and so great. She's so good in this movie. And one of the great discoveries and why I'm so glad you had us watch The Tall Guy again, because it is, I agree with you, weird and light and the music is embarrassing and, and just like a lot of the like we're running up a hill, I'm riding a bike around town. The great thing about this is watching her performance just going like, holy cow, she's going to be in Remains of the Day sometime. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait for that to happen. And this is this is one of the first movies that she did, and she's so good. She's so good. It's kind of similar to Remains of the Day because he can't. He's a big pussy. <laughs> Very good. Yeah. Um, but I was just assumed from okay. Um, if I understand the premise of the movie right, because somehow this didn't seem strange to me when I watched it a million years ago, but this time it seemed weird. Was like, is he? Just because he's an American, is he like tightly wound, and that's why he can't ask her out? For uh, he's he's it's just specific <laughs> to him. He's, it's just specific to him and her. He's just not able he's to. He's had all his other girlfriends. He's just not able to make that leap. He's just so shy. He's shy and weird. Because he's had isn't one of the those montage like yeah I didn't like any of my other girlfriends and then isn't one of them, like they're at the altar and then she has like a conniption fit in the church or something like oh we broke up yeah i forgot about those montages oh they're horrible uh no they're part of the movie i know they're part of the movie but they're still embarrassing don't you think well that's why that's the kind of thing i was that's what i started with was like uh digus is gonna make fun of me well i'm not trying to make fun of you it's 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 delightful to watch it again uh but those montages were just like oh do you remember when he goes in one that shows the British dude going into the alley and then you hear him his bike horn. Yeah. And that's the punchline. Yeah. Is that embarrassing? Um it's just fun. I, I don't know. I, I just think it's such a weird and awkward movie, but but there's so many things I love about it that that, you know one of the things I love most about it, my favorite moment of the movie um is when Emma Thompson uh tells him how she knows he's been cheating on her you know that wait i don't remember that part it's it's at that first night party when the when the actress 
goes up and hands him. And, uh, oh yeah. When he when they they hand each other the drink and nobody says anything. Nobody says thank you. And she, and and after that, she's like, "That's how I know you were sleeping with her." And uh, I just love that little sequence. That sort of like, oh, I see what's going on here. And it's it usually that's like a screenwriter like being too clever by half. But in this case, because the character is so well drawn and Emma Thompson does it so well, you totally believe that this nurse would be able to just suss that out and go, oh, they're sleeping together. And I love that moment where Emma Thompson goes, oh, they're sleeping together, and she tells him that. So this is just because she's British. He's American. It might be just because he's got the drop on us. Uh, speaking of getting the drop on us, do we have any listeners who wrote in about this movie? Uh, I forgot. Talk amongst yourselves for a moment. <laughs> I'll be happy to. One of the weird things is that that guy who's like the, the stagehand who, uh, is, who goes on for him during uh, Elephant because, <laughs> you know, Jeff Goldblum is the worst actor of all time because he loses – two performances because he's just running around town and it, as somebody who's done acting i would never miss a curtain call for any reason right and and he misses the second one because he's just like he chooses to run off to the emergency room and have a romantic uh comedy moment and he lets this guy who is a stagehand go on in his place i can't imagine doing that and it's not just sort of like the romantic ideal of it. it's like that's your job. Your job is to be on stage. Get on stage and then go to the emergency room. It's yeah, weird. It's uh, and this, remember in Birdman that dude gets bean with the stage equipment. Oh yeah, and there's a moment like that. In yeah, this, in this. Where, and I remember where yeah. he looks up and he goes, uh, and then he walks past, and then that spool of wire falls down. Yeah, and then he he acts like it wasn't that big a deal. He's yeah. just like, oh, right. crazy Brits, and it's like uh. I remember thinking that it would, that scared me about acting was like on a stage is you had fuckwads above you with ropes and sandbags. Well, that's there's a huge amount of trust in theater, and that's just that. None of that stuff ever happens because everybody trusts everybody because everybody's livelihood is on the line. Unless so did it's you, Spider-Man. Yeah, that's a good point. Did you look up the, our listeners? Yeah, only one person. All right, good. Let's hear what the one person says. But it's it's – in a way, the best person. All right. It's uh, Chris Markardson. Ah, Chris, good. Patron saint of the Quarter to Three movie podcast. Ah, well, that's a good way to put it. Um, it's like he's the uh, Cheryl Ladd to Paul Weimer's Farah. <laughs> hey, Mini Pity Movie Club of Palooza. Dingus, remember when it was called that? It, it's only called that from Still now on. I might call it the Mini Movie Club, but everybody else calls it the Mini Penny Movie Club of Plaza. So there you go. You hate it. You no, I, I I have embraced it at this point. I'm I'm happy with you coming up with a better idea. And if next week you decide to call it T Rex, everybody else will go with that too. I do. T Rex. Uh, this movie was totally new to me, and it was pretty darn enjoyable and at times strange. From naked Emma Thompson. Oh my god! To yeah, we got to see her naked. Holy cats! See, we to see Emma Thompson's breasts. Damn! I think what that's the heck. Yeah. What am I? What am I apologizing to you for? You're not. You shouldn't have to because yeah. she's damn good. You're welcome. All right. You're welcome, slaves. <laughs> it's a great sex scene too. It's maybe my favorite sex scene in a movie. 
except for uh, oh, it's a terrible sex scene. It's written by somebody that's... who's never had sex. Oh, oh, they're knocking oh. shit down and lying on food and putting their butts on pizza. It's Jesus, uh, that on. happens all the time. Wait, you clearly haven't had sex correctly. No, I have not. I've never. I'm actually a virgin. The piano. To singing underwear and a cameo by the lead singer of Madness, the dude in the torn and burnt suit standing on the piano during the musical montage. <laughs> I was never really sure what was going to happen till the end of the movie when I felt things got a little conventional when she takes him back. Yeah, it's a rom com. Uh, the guy wrote uh, Four Weddings and a Funeral, too. Remember that movie? Yeah. He's written every British movie. All right. It was interesting that during the opening night performance when Cheryl's singing her song, they cut to the box where Kate and Carmen are sitting, and Carmen is in tears, but Kate is reading the program. I thought it was strange at the time, but it made a heck of a lot more sense when you find out she knew about the cheating that was going on. Happy Thanksgiving, guys, Chris. P.S. Dingus, did you ever have any auditions like there were in the movie? Um, no, nothing that bad. There's your answer, Chris Markardson from Dingus. I did have an addition where um, later on I found out uh, everybody who was running the audition thought I was uh, jacking off. <laughs> that was why I was saying, luck be a lady tonight. And what I was trying to do was um, mime uh, about being able to roll dice. Because it's Sky Masterson about rolling, about to roll a uh, paradise, and uh, everybody behind the table was laughing their heads off. And I thought, boy, they really love what I'm doing. But later on, when the music director and I got to be friends, he said, "Yeah, whoa, this is the motion you were making while you were trying to roll dice." <laughs> and I went, "They're kind of oh. similar." Yeah, that's how I simulate bong holding. I got I got a really good part in the in the show. It was my. Was it but called it was, Silence of the Lambs, and you were that guy? No, it was called. Um, oh God, I can't even remember the name. It's that uh, that boat that boat musical. Yes, I can't remember. <laughs> um, show uh, it's that show. That a, no, it's that show. Revenge. <laughs> Stop. Um, um, but I thought I was doing so well, and I I was so close to getting a good part in it. I got I still got a pretty good part for a freshman. It's the first thing I ever auditioned for in college. But then uh, a little while later, I found out, uh, yeah, the director, the musical director, the choreographer, everybody who was behind that table, I uh, thought you were jacking off. You got to hold your hand, your arm all the way out for the uh, the jacking <laughs> off, the Absolutely. die roll. Yes. You got to yeah. blow on your fingers first. Yep, fingers, well, fingers. Off. Like right now. All right, so this week was the tall guy. I'm very happy that we watched it. Oh. Um, for next week's uh, mini movie club, there's a movie that was inspired. I was thinking about this today. I had a couple different movies that I wanted to watch after watching The Babadook. Uh, and this is a movie I don't think Kelly Wand has seen. Oh, boy. Uh, what'd you say? I'm excited. I like All right. it. Uh, Kelly Wand, have you ever seen a movie called Joshua? Yeah. Oh, you have. Darn it. It's a, uh, yeah. 
All right. This is a movie, I think, from 2007 that I saw when I was at Sundance, and I'm really jonesing to see it again. We've never done it for the podcast, uh, so I would like us to talk about Joshua. You can rent it. Uh, it's very easy to find. So um, I would like to talk about the movie Joshua next week in the Mini Movie Club. Is De Niro in it? No. Okay. I don't. I think I only saw the ending, though. All right. Sam Rockwell is in it and Vera Farmiga in it. Oh, yeah. Wait, she made two weird kid movies. What's the other weird kid movie she made? The Orphan. Yeah, uh, this this predates the Orphan or Orphan. Orphan. Um, and this is the this is the, the Joshua. Yeah. So please see Joshua. Um, this is the first time I really think I remember seeing Sam Rockwell. Uh, it's a really creepy kid performance. There's a couple of other really great performances in it. Um, and so I'm really interested in hearing what you have to say about it and what I have to say about it watching it again because I haven't seen it for quite a while. It's made an appearance in a couple of my 3x3s. Um, so I want everybody to watch Joshua if you can and then talk to us about it next week. Uh, at the end of which podcast, we, we talk about Joshua. After we talk about what movie, Kelly Wan, what, are we gonna, what movie are we going to see next week? Um, Big Hero. We're not seeing Big Hero. Oh, um, the Laura. Wait, it's uh, Striplash. We are seeing Whiplash. Whiplash, right. right. So uh, for next week's uh, movie podcast, we are going to see uh, Whiplash for the quarter three movie podcast because we do not want to see Pyramid. Uh, We're going to see Whiplash. And after we talk about Whiplash, uh, we will talk a little bit about the movie Joshua. Um, for the quarter three movie podcast, uh, I have been uh, Christian Morosky and I have been joined by one Kelly wand I don't like songs where I can understand the lyrics. Why can't you just be normal?